I want to read to you my wife's favorite prayer. Dear God, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot more help. Amen. Anybody relate to that? Today we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to talk about change. I want to talk to you about how you can really change. Isn't that good news? And maybe you've become cynical about whether or not you really can see change happen in your lives. But according to this passage today, we're going to see how that process of change can take place in our lives And so I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. It should be in the last fourth of the Bible there for you. If you're getting used to your Bibles, turning to it. Ephesians 4, we're going to look at verses 17 through 24. And if you didn't bring a Bible, but you'd like to take one of those Bibles out in the seat rack there, it should say NIV on the the end. It's a black Bible. If you turn to page 816, you'll be right there at the top in the upper left-hand corner. Verse 17 should be close by. And if you don't own a Bible... We'd love for you to take that one home or replace it. We're just glad you're here, and we want to all have a copy of God's Word so that we can learn it together. So this morning, here's what I'd like you to see if uh, you're getting used to this whole letter to Ephesians, is that chapters 4 through 6 show how we as Christians can change and grow up in Christ. How we can change and grow up in Christ. You know, the last verse we saw last week as each part does its work. What does that look like? How do we change? What's our part in all that? Sometimes over the years, people have believed this idea that with grace, the grace of God, he does it all. Therefore, you don't need to have any effort or any involvement. But we're going to see in the passage today, efforts involved in changing. That's probably no surprise to you. But it's a different kind of effort. It's not effort in order to gain God's favor. It's effort that comes out of the inside because we have gained God's favor. We live out of grace, not guilt. We live out of a different center once we're born again by the miraculous grace of Jesus Christ. And so if you've wondered about that, here's Dallas Willard's quote. I found this helpful. I've shared it before. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. If you have this idea of mindset that I'm working hard in order to please God and earn his you know, favor, his approval, that's, that's not grace. But grace says, now that his grace is working in my life, it gives me the energy and effort to do the things he's enabled me and wants me to do, and I need to participate fully. So we're going to talk about that, but I want you to see that Paul... And he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. He's already helped them in the first three chapters see who they are if they've come to know Christ and been born again. So we studied that and we saw how to be convinced of who you are in Christ so that you live out of a new identity, not not just living out of a different unchanged center. But then also in these chapters, we're going to see how we live out that identity. Now, I said that chapters four through six are going to talk about you know, how we change. And I want you to know that today, I'm just going to try and get this idea on the table. I'm not going to try and cover it all because next week, Steve's going to continue it. Then the week after, we're going to kind of have a mini series that talks about this idea of put off, put on. So I want you to look for that today. But let's read these together. You'll notice in the notes, if you're following along, that verse 17 is right there in the gray box. The first verse we're going to read. And the last three verses we're going to read are in that second gray box. 
and I'll read everything in between, okay? Now, let me just pray first before we look at this, because we always want to ask the Lord to be our teacher. So now, Lord, if all I do is talk, it won't help anybody, but if you teach, it'll help everybody. I just pray, Lord, that you'd come to every seat, and you'd come to my heart too. Teach us how to live the Christian life, for Jesus' sake and for his glory, amen. Okay, let's read verse 17 out loud, full voice. Here we go. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now let's read verse 22 through 24 together. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, here's the the big idea. What I want you to see is that Paul starts by saying, I want to talk to you first about what you were and must no longer be. And then I want to talk to you about what you are becoming and who you are becoming and growing into in Christ now. So he starts first by talking about what you were. And one of the things that you may wonder as far as you think about this message, why do we need this good news about how to change? Uh, Tim Keller talks about how uh, his, one of his favorite thriller movies was the old movie Terminator with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he said, if you ever notice, again and again, every time you think you've got something killed, all of a sudden a hand comes up. And he says, sin is like that. Sometimes we think that we've dealt with something, and then all of a sudden, it's like, what? You know, we're dealing with it again. Can anybody relate to that? So this, one of the great things about this is it shows us how do we not be totally freaked out by that, and how do we learn how to live into, to step into this new life Christ has given us. So let's look at it. First, he talks about what you were, and notice if you're following along, he says, you used to think and live as Gentiles or non-Christians do. You used to think and live as Gentiles or non-Christians do. That word for Gentiles there, we've said this many times, what's a Gentile? Anyone who's not... Now, in this case, though, a Gentile also, the idea could be expanded. The word actually here is nations. So it's saying, you know, no longer live as, you know, just different nations and cultures do, as people without a reference point to God, people that are separated from the life of God. So a non-Christian would be someone that hasn't yet put their trust in Christ or related to Christ. Don't live. You used to be like that. Don't live as a non-Christian anymore. Don't live and think like a non-Christian anymore. doesn't mean non-Christians don't have any good thoughts. It just means there's an overall thinking pattern when, you have, when you're separated from the life of God like that. Second, your thinking was futile, F-U-T-I-L-E, was futile, and you were given over. That's an interesting idea here. What, what he says is, in the futility of their thinking, you must no longer live 
in the futility of their thinking. The idea of futile here means pointless. It means meaningless. It means vanity. Um, it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't promise out front something better, but every time you engage in that kind of thinking, it never takes you where you thought you were going to get to. It never comes through. It leaves you with an emptiness and says, don't, don't keep thinking like that because you know that it's, it's, it's based on lies. It's not based on the truth. And then also, it says you were given over. He says they, they continually give themselves over which has this idea. They think they're free to give themselves to whatever they want to, but in fact, after a while, they're given over to that. They're actually controlled by the thing they thought they had the freedom to do. So there's this pursuing idea. So let me just wrap it up this way in this part of what you were. He said, separated from the life of God, if you're following along, leads to a corrupting downward spiral. That idea of corrupting, downward spiral, corrupting is something where it's decaying, where it's, it's being brought down, it's going backwards. The, the gravity of things, the natural gravity of things is a southbound, downward, gravitational pull. Have you ever noticed in cultures that it just seems like just things get corrupted? And there's not this uplifting kind of atmosphere that, that something keeps always bringing down. Well, if you turn your notes over in the back there, I've talked about this before, but this has helped me to kind of picture this, is that this downward spiral, I don't know if you see in these verses 17 through 19, Paul's talking about several things that happen when you and I refuse to acknowledge God in his appropriate place as the Lord of our lives. What happens is, is that usually we do that because of a hardness of heart. Say, I'm going to do things, a stubbornness or whatever it might be. It might even be with a smile, but I'm, God, I'm just not going to do what you want me to do. That leads to a hardness. If you look at that first box in the upper left, the next one on the right, it doesn't just stop there. There's a progressiveness to uh, living in a sinful way. It leads to darkness. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, you know, any even attempted virtue brings a measure of light, but indulgence brings fog. There's this like kind of darkness. Even though we may think we're getting smarter, we're actually, there's, there's a whole bunch we're missing. There's a darkness. Third thing is, if you're looking at that left-hand box in the middle there, is there's a deadness. He says, having lost all sensitivity, deadness, some of you know that the necrosis of the skin means that the nerve endings in the skin is dying, that there's an unresponsiveness there. And what happens is that we become spiritually more and more insensitive that when, we are, when we're separated from God like that, our spiritual nerve endings are just not the same. And the last thing there is there's this recklessness. And if you don't, um, haven't spelled recklessness in a while, it's R-E-C-K-L-E-S-S-N-E-S-S. -E -S -S -S. Recklessness as in you don't stop where you thought you would stop. You go beyond Having lost all sensitivity, you, go, you, you, you actually even pass some of your own standards. How many of us have experienced that where you go, I never thought I'd go that far. I never thought I would do that. Oh my goodness. And there's this like recklessness that begins to happen. Before, what we might have done and tried to keep secret, now it's in the open. We don't even care anymore. And there's this kind of down, 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 spiral, progressiveness of sin. 
And so over the years, it's helped me to share the same three lines that my mentor shared with me years ago about the progressive power of sin in our lives. If we don't humble ourselves and turn to God, let's read it together, those last three lines. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. So he says, look, if you want to turn your notes back over, this is what you were. And by the way, this is why there can never, I mean, if we ever act superior to someone who's a non-Christian, that's crazy business. This is what we were, except for the grace of Jesus. This is how we thought. We found ourselves caught up. One of the reasons we eventually turned to Christ is because he allowed us just to see the futility of this kind of thinking, this approach to life. And how it just leads not only to futility, but being given over to things that do not help us arrive where we thought we'd arrive. And we turn to Christ because he offered a new life, a new identity. So let's look at that next. Verses 20 through 24. He says, but here's what you're growing into in Christ now. So first, if you're following along, he says, then you heard Christ and he taught you a new way of life. Then you heard Christ, and he taught a new way of life. Literally, this sentence, I looked this up this week. Literally, this sentence in the original language says this. If indeed him you heard, and by him were taught. Now, in our translation, it says you heard about Christ, or you heard Christ. Literally, it means you heard Christ. I was talking with someone this week that says, you don't hear, no one hears God impossible. The truth is, is if you think of it only in terms of an audible voice, that is more uncommon. No question. I do know some people that have heard God's voice audibly, but for the most part, that's not how it's going to work in most of our lives. How's it going to happen? I talk about this a lot. Across the ticker of our mind, there will be thoughts that he allows. He works in the thought patterns of our lives to speak to us in a language that is fluent us. Has anybody ever noticed? I found out he can speak fluent Jeff. He knows me better than I know myself. And so, again, you heard Christ say, come on, I made you for a different purpose than this. Follow me, trust me, turn from going that way. I will give you saving grace. Come on. And those of us that have heard him speaking to our hearts and minds like that, we know it. And then when we trust in Christ, he begins to teach us a whole new way of living. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden of this futility and this given over kind of life, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, get in the yoke with me. Learn how to do life with me. For I am, and learn from me, he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I will teach you a different way that will give rest for your souls. This is an amazing thing. And so what are some of the ways that he does this? Well, first notice, Paul uses this image. I've been thinking about this this week. He uses this image of dressing yourself. Now, I just want to, I mean, have you thought about how important it is? One of the things that shows that a child is getting more grown up is that they learn how to what? Dress themselves, right? Like if you're a parent and you dress your kids and they're 24, there's something wrong with that. Unless there's a you know, physical impairment or some, something that's been lost. But for the most part, the natural progression is that we learn how to dress ourselves. That's part of growing up. And so when you think about that, 
What does that mean? If you're following along, dressing yourself is part of everyday life and part of growing up. It's part of everyday life and part of growing up. And I'm just looking here. I think, yep, every one of you has learned how to do this. You all got dressed this morning before you came. And it's a lot less distracting because you did. But the idea is, is that this is part, it's so common to us now. We do it all the time. We don't even think about it anymore. But actually, sometimes we think about it a lot. Why? Because our clothes have a lot to do with our expressing ourselves and our identity. But the Bible says, is there something way, way more important than external clothes? There are spiritual clothes that God has given us to wear now in our new identity that are better than the old clothes we used to wear that were our old identity. So he says, here's here's what I want you to understand about the Christian life. Here it is. First, you got to put off your old self if you're following along. Number one is to put off your old self by refusing to live as you once did. Put off your old self by refusing to live as you once did. This idea of putting something off means the idea carries with it to not only stop doing something, but to throw it off, to leave it behind, to make a break with it, to no longer say, you're going to be part of my everyday life from now on. No more. Not going to keep wearing you regularly anymore. I'm going to throw off. Every time your hand comes up, I'm throwing you off. But the idea next is that you see there's a bridge, and I'm going to come back to this, but if you're following along, it's to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what he says in verse 23, be renewed. The NIV says, be made new in the attitude of your mind, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind is what the English Standard Version says. If you look at it right here, it says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and then it talks about this whole idea of being changed as our minds are renewed. Here's Romans 12, 2. It talks about this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world any longer, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. That doesn't just mean that you change your thoughts. Notice it's not something you do. It's something that's done to you. You participate, but you can have your mind made new. God has to do that. God has to supernaturally change how your mind works. We're going to come back to that. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Therefore, you're going to be able, your mind, what's the spirit of your mind? The spirit of your mind is really the governing principle of your mind. And uh, we're going to talk about this, but it's, it's, uh, it's more than just your thoughts. It's what controls your thoughts, okay? So the next thing is, number two, is we not only need to put off, but we need to put on, he says, your new self by replacing the old with the new. To put on your new self by replacing the old with the new. Look at Romans 13, 14. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires This is such relational talk. When it says, you learned Christ, you learned Jesus. You didn't just learn principles. You didn't just learn facts. You didn't just learn truths. You learned the truth, Jesus, a relationship with him. It's a daily relational thing. And again, if if you've thought, this is where a lot of people get stuck. When a lot of people listen to put off, put on, 
They say, I, I already done that. It doesn't work. Just be honest, right? Anybody relate to what I just said? Sure. But a lot of us have confused Christianity with morality. Most people think that Christianity and morality are the same thing. They're not. Morality is about being nice. Christianity is about being new. Morality is about performance. Christianity is about relationship. And when you understand that and you begin to grow in that, it changes you. See, the idea is, is that a lot of us go, okay, I'm going to stop doing that because, man, that addiction is wrecking my life. So I'm going to stop that and stop banging my head in the wall. So I'm going to put that off. And I'm going to, you know, and that's the way I'm going to do my life better. And a lot of people have been raised in churches where, where they taught pretty much a put off Christianity. And you know what I've learned? Most people that only learn to put off Christianity are put off by Christianity. It's just the truth. Because they just think of it as a negative. I got to stop doing this. Don't do that. And friends, please understand me. There are things that we need to make a break with. But if you and I don't make, all we do is make a break with, and we don't replace it with something better, how many of us have noticed we go back? We go back. That's the battle. That's the fight, isn't it? And some of us, we do replace with other things and yet still find ourselves pulled back that way. So what in the world is going to help us be able to put on the new? So I was thinking about this this week, and uh, as I was reading some of the different authors, I found this just to be really helpful. So I'm going to put this up here on the whiteboard. And um, again, you think about this. Again, this message is called Put Off, Put On. And those are, those are things that you and I are responsible to do as we grow. It does take that effort. Anybody ever notice it, take, it's, it takes effort to put something off, doesn't it? And it also takes effort to incorporate, replace new different practices and, and, and a new self, a new identity. This is something the Lord invites us to do with him. By the way, it also is in the uh, kind of tense, verb tense that says, this is something you once did. It's, it's, it's already been done in your life. Now you need to continue practicing on a daily basis. If you came to Christ, you realize that he was calling you to turn, to put off going your own way and to put on going his way. But now how do we live that out? <clears throat> so here, if you see put off, put on, those of you listening on audio can't see this, but between the two big phrases, put off on the left and put on on the right, I drew this bridge. <clears throat> this really helped me this week to think of this. Verse 23 is a bridge. The reason why a lot of us can't get past put off and move to put on our new identity is because our minds haven't been made new in that way yet. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And the spirit of your minds is actually, another word for that governing principle is our imaginations. What it means is the reason why many of us go back to things, probably all of us go back to things, is because our imaginations have not been fired with how we could think and see our lives differently. And so the imagination is what, is what works in our minds that makes things vivid, that we can actually see pictures, that your imagination can remember what you once saw or experienced, and it can replay. But if your imagination now is being renewed by Christ, he shows you how you can actually look at life differently. He shows you what, what it, the new life can look like, and your imagination can picture it more and more. So let me just continue. If you're following along, this idea is continually learn Jesus 
so he can fill your imagination. Continually learn. Remember, this is a relationship. Learn Jesus. Learn how to do life with him so he can fire. Remember, be renewed. It's not you renew yourself. It's let him renew your mind. How does he do that? With the word of God, with the power of his Holy Spirit, who's the great reminder. And so this idea is, is that each day, you and I, one of the reasons we ask each one of you to consider being in God's word every day is so he can renew our minds because otherwise we're just going to swim in human advice and opinions and worldly wisdom. All that we need to be renewed by what he says because what he says is life. His words are life. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds what? From the mouth of God. It's his words. They renew us. So I go on and on here, but I understand that he wants to capture our imaginations so that this whole process actually takes place. It's a work of grace in us, an ongoing work of grace. So I love what Warren Wiersbe says, if you're following along in the notes, put off grave clothes and put on grace clothes. Put off grave clothes and put on grace clothes every day. This idea is that Ephesians 2 says, look, before you came to know Christ, just like every other person in the world that you know, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That was your old self. You were spiritually dead, insensitive, hardened, deadened, darkened, reckless. That's what you were. No matter what kind of face you put on it, no matter how you tried to impress people, underneath it all, that's what you were. Grave clothes, that's what you wore more than you wanted to. But now in Christ, he offers you grace clothes. So this idea of dressing ourselves I thought this has helped me over the years. So, you know, you go to Salvation Army or Goodwill, you get some clothes here. And I've got these two jackets. And this jacket once was nice, but it's been corrupted. And it's been corrupted by lies and deceitful desires and thinking if I can just get my own way, man, that'll be. And then, so if I wake up on any given day and say, you know, I'm going back, I'm gonna live like my old self, it's just more comfortable. It's what I know. He says, man, if you choose to do that, you, you, can, you can put that off. You can put that on. But now that you are a Christian, I insist on this. No longer. Don't put it on any longer. Each day say, that's what I was. Past tense. No more. St. Augustine. Some of us have read his writings and been helped by what he said, but I don't know if you know, before he came to know Christ as a man, he was promiscuous and indulgent, and he lived a reckless life. He writes about it in his confessions. Years after he'd become a Christian, he was back in one of the cities that he had lived for a, a very important thing, and to his surprise, one of his former mistresses sees him. He wasn't looking for her, sees him, runs up to him and says, hey, do you want to come home with me tonight? And he says, no, sorry. And he begins to walk away. She's shocked. So she recovers and runs after him and says, Augustine, don't you remember? It's me. And he said, I know, but it's not me. See? He understood that's what he was. But he could walk away and walk in a different direction because he was no longer that person. Christ's grace 
I'd given him grace close. So what that means for many of us is we've got to make a decisive break. We've got to say, I am not going back there anymore. I'm not going to make sure that path is easily, easy. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm throwing it off. I'm done with that. I'm making a break with that. And now each morning, I'm going to put on the grace clothes that the Lord has offered to me. And I'm going to begin to walk in this direction, not in pride, but humble, gentle, patient, loving. And I'm going to learn to let the Lord renew my mind every time the liar whispers to me that what I once was is what I still am and that I'll never change. Friends, you know how you put on the new self? It involves preaching to yourself. It involves talking to yourself. I've learned some things like this. Like sometimes when I'll see a certain billboard that you know, kind of tugs at me, I've learned to say this. I bet I can live the rest of my life without that. You almost got to get militant. Other times you got to go, that says it'll make me happy. Jesus is teaching me that will no longer make me happy like he can, like he can show me. See, when you and I begin to do that, it changes our lives. So what I want to just talk to you about in closing is this, is that I saw this happen when I was a young man in a way that began to give me an imagination for what I could become even before I was a Christian. I've told you many times how my dad sometimes had to discipline me. It's shocking. I know that's shocking to many of you uh, because of bad attitudes or different ways that I acted in home. And, uh, and so, again, a lot of times he, he, would, uh, he would spank me. It was never, never abuse. It was never out of control. There were times that I tested his patience, and I did feel like he was throwing an extra one in. But anyway, <laughs> what I want you to know is, is that he would say to me, sometimes just totally frustrated. I understand now as a dad. I want you to go in your room, and I want you to think about what you just did. Okay? So I go, oh, I will. And I'd be thinking in my bed, I'm going to freeze this guy out if he thinks he'll ever love him again. And I was like, you know, just that. Ah, corrupting. Decay. A few minutes later, I would see my dad come back in, sometimes an hour later, sometimes a little bit later than that. But more times I can count. And he would say, would you please forgive me for the spirit in which I just talked to you? You know I needed to discipline you. But that's not the way Jesus is teaching me to talk, even when I need to discipline you. Would you please forgive me? And sometimes I would like, you know, keep the cold thing going hard. But man, was it melting my heart. And he said more times than you can count. He'd offer to hug me, by the way. More times he said my arms would be around him. And you know, I watched. Here's what I watched. I watched him not necessarily get it right the first time. But I watched him put off, let his mind be renewed by the Spirit and Word of God, and put on a kind of love towards me I have never gotten over. And I knew, I knew what my old dad was like without Jesus. And I got a chance to see what my new dad would be like with Jesus. And my imagination has never been the same. I saw what could be in my life because I saw my hard heart. I saw my dead heart. I saw my reckless heart. And I knew that he was offering me grace clothes for my grave clothes.
and it turned me to Christ. And this is how he works in our lives. It is not perfect every time. We do not get it right every time. But he can change us if we'll let him. So if you're following along in the notes, here's what I want you to see. Is that you and I need to just say, as we come to the communion table today, is there anything, what must I put off so that I can put on your new life? What, is there anything that I'm either going back to or have never made a clean break with or is dominating my life and making it so I am not walking in the new identity that he's given me, but he's pointing that out in me, not to ruin me, but to free me. But he will not take those clothes off. He will not make a break with that for me. He wants me to do that with him. And so is there something he's putting his finger on this morning? Maybe it's an attitude, a situation, an addiction or something. And he wants to free you. He wants to show you. He can change you. He can fire your imagination to see yourself differently. He really does want to give you grace clothes. So as we think about that, bow your head now. I want to just tell you, if you were to go on, we'll see this next week, that one of the ways he spells this out, he says, look, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. See, put off falsehood, put on truthfully to your neighbor. Uh, Put off stealing and put on generosity. Put off unwholesome talk and put on beneficial talk. On and on he goes. This is how it looks when you let Jesus renew your mind. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? as we prepare for communion.